Now, do you ever watch movies that portray ancient battles? Have you ever seen a movie that does this? Um, Like a movie like 300, maybe. Or maybe it's a fantasy movie like Lord of the Rings or it's Game of Thrones or something where they picture these battles in which there is a huge mass of people on the ground and everybody's got a sword in their hand and they are just doing 360 combat, right? Like every which way you look, there's some other enemy, somebody else for you to fight. The question that I have every single time I watch one of those battles take place on TV is how could anybody survive that? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever look at those things and you're like, I feel like everybody should be dead at the end of this because there is a swarm of people in every direction that you turn, right? In these ancient battles, hand-to-hand combat, you could literally get attacked from behind. You would often be attacked by multiple enemies at the exact same time. Another question I have when I watch these battle scenes is, how do you even know who's on your team? You know what I'm saying? Because they're not wearing jerseys. It's not like they're identifying themselves and it's like, you know, Canada and America, and here we go, we're battling. Like, there's no way to know who's on your side. My luck, I'd be like, just going to town. I'd be doing my thing, glass action hero style. And then I'd turn around and do this big chop and I'd actually get one of my friends, you know, ooh, sorry about that, buddy. Like these battles are a mess. It's just nuts to me to think that anybody used to fight that way. But of course, that's how we know battles used to be fought. But I want you to imagine this morning that we took those really brave knights, you know, with their suits of armor and their swords and bows and arrows, and we dropped them on the modern battlefield. And they were facing down tanks and helicopters and machine guns. What do you think would happen? Yeah, these, these, these time travelers would not stand a chance. They are totally unequipped for that kind of battle. Anybody with me? There's no way that an ancient knight with his big giant two-handed claymore is going to be able to withstand the artillery attacks in 21st century modern warfare. But here's the interesting thing. If we were to reverse this scenario and we were to take a modern soldier and we were to replace his machine gun and his radio and instead we gave him a sword and a shield and we transported him back maybe to the Middle Ages and dropped him in the middle of the battle, do you know what would happen? He wouldn't survive his first encounter either. Like he would be totally unequipped for that kind of battle. You see, what we have to understand and the reason that these soldiers from different time periods would not survive if they were thrust into a new type of situation is that the type of battle that you're in determines the tactics that you use in that battle. Stay with me now. The type of battle you're in will determine the tactics of the battle when you fight it. So you have to know what kind of battle you're in. If this is a hand-to-hand combat, then you need to know that. If you are in some sort of like, you know, remote warfare with drones and things like that, then you could be the best in the world at hand-to-hand combat, but it's not gonna do you very much good. The types of battle determine the tactics of the battle. We're gonna use that as a jumping off point in our series called When the Devil Knocks. And this morning, what I want you to consider is the fact that many times we fail in spiritual warfare because we are fighting spiritual battles with worldly tactics. That is, in the same way that ancient soldiers would be totally annihilated on the modern battlefield. 
And in the same way that modern soldiers would be totally annihilated on the ancient battlefield because they're using the wrong tactics to fight the war that they're in. I am convinced that the reason that many of us fail the spiritual warfare that we're in is because we are using physical, worldly tactics to fight spiritual battles. Won't ever work. Now, this is week four of our series, When the Devil Knocks. I'm so excited about this series. It's like the perfect October message series, you know, with Halloween and everybody's focused on the spiritual and, you know, evil and darkness and all that sort of thing. But what we've done over the last four weeks is we've kind of examined what the scripture has to say on the subject of spiritual beings and spiritual battle, the reality that undergirds the physical world that we see. And you'll remember that each week of the series, I'm giving you a different word that starts with the letter A, and it's kind of our topic our subject of discussion. And so the first week I told you guys that our word for the day was awareness. And we wanted to be aware of the fact that there is a spiritual reality. We don't want to ignore it. We don't want to hide from it. We want to be able to recognize what's really going on. And we're going to kind of uh, pivot off of that a little bit this morning as well. Second week, we talked about our adversary. You remember that? We talked about the devil and like how the cartoon idea of the devil couldn't be more wrong, but the devil is actually real and he is committed to fighting against God and every one of God's people. So we talked about awareness. We talked about our adversary. Last week, we talked about angels because many people have questions about angels. Do I have a guardian angel? And can I trust angels? Should I pray to angels? Is it wrong to be interested in angels? And so we kind of you know, went through all of that uh, topic and discussion. If you didn't hear those messages, you can find them on our website or on Apple Podcast Connect Calgary. And the reason I tell you that is because each of these messages will kind of build. And so the stuff that we talked about over the past few weeks will help you to understand the things that we'll talk about in the last two weeks of this series. So today I want to give you a new A word, I probably should have said, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, that was probably not right. I wanna give you a new word, which starts with the letter A, and this is gonna be our focus for today. The word is advantage. We've talked about awareness, we've talked about our adversary, we've talked about the angels, but now we wanna talk about our advantage. And in order to talk about our advantage, I wanna point you to a section of scriptures in the book of 2 Corinthians. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, we learn a little bit about the advantage that we have when we fight spiritual battles. So I want you to look at just two short verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. The apostle Paul is writing. He's like a church planter. He was a second generation Christian. He's a pretty important dude in history. And we're gonna talk about some of the reasons why in just a moment. But I want you to read his words here in this passage. He says, yeah, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Instead, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. We're going to read more of this passage because there's a lot going on here, but I want to start and give you some context before we dive into the rest of the verses. See, at this point in his life, the apostle Paul was in the middle of a battle. He was in the middle of a fight and the fight was taking place in church. Any of you guys ever been in a church fight? It gets ugly fast. I'm not even kidding you. So Paul's in a church fight. And here's what's going on. 10 years before these words were written, he had planted a church in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. 
So the, the people that he was working with were Corinthians. That's where we get first and second Corinthians. So he had started this church. He had led these people to faith in Jesus. He had spent quite a bit of time with them, training them, developing leaders, making sure that they were ready to take ownership and leadership. Hey, we try to do the same thing here at Connect. I don't wanna be the only person in the spotlight. I wanna help develop you guys. I want you to see the gifts that God's given you and the capacities that he's placed inside of you so that you can lead in God's church. You're gonna think I'm nuts for what I'm about to say. There are some of you sitting in seats this morning and God has a pastoral call on your life. You just don't know it yet. Some of you have a call to lead worship. Some of you have a call to lead a prayer ministry. Some of you guys are teachers and you don't know it yet. So the the pattern and the goal of the church has always been to take normal people like us and to help us realize the giftings and callings that God has placed on us than to set us free to change the world. So this is what Paul's doing. The problem is he developed all these leaders. Then he left because he was a church planner at heart. So he started a church and then he wanted to go start a new church. Now, this is where I differ from the Apostle Paul. I have zero desire to start another church, you guys. I nearly died getting this thing off the ground. My marriage almost didn't make it. I basically bankrupted us. Like it was tough. I'm not doing this again. Never. I mean it. Okay. So Paul though, he was like, he was very apostolic. He really wanted to get going. And so he would develop a church, turn it over to local leadership and he would go start another church. So what happened was he leaves the Corinthian church. He goes to plant new congregations around the Mediterranean rim. And while he's gone, a group of men rose up against Paul in the Corinthian church. And they start opposing his teaching and his authority. They start saying things like, you know, maybe that Paul guy really isn't sent from Jesus. Maybe he shouldn't be calling the shots in our church and training us about how to live for Christ. Maybe we should just kind of write him off. And wouldn't it be cool if we had some local leaders, like maybe me or Jim? Wouldn't it be cool if we got to take over and we were leading things on the ground? They started undermining Paul's work and they would say things like, have you guys noticed that Paul is not really a very good preacher? Seriously, this is what they say. They're like, he can write super well right? But we didn't hire a writer. We hired a preacher. So like when he gets up and he preaches, he's not charismatic. He's not dynamic. Everybody's falling asleep. Maybe that's evidence that he wasn't really sent to us from God. Or if God's favor used to be on him, God's favor is no longer on him. And so now we need to look for somebody else, somebody who is charismatic, somebody who is dynamic, somebody who can hold attention for 35 minutes like me, right? You know, these these false, I'm not saying that about me. I'm saying these false apostles were saying that Okay, I gotta be clearer when I communicate. I'm half as bad as the Apostle Paul here. So they started undermining Paul's authority. And they started saying, listen, he doesn't seem to have the confidence and charisma that's needed to run one of Jesus' churches. So we need to write him off. We need to send Paul on his way. We need to fire him as our apostle. And maybe you could hire us as your new apostles. So here's the deal. On the surface, the apostle Paul seems to be in an interpersonal conflict with people at his work, okay? Some of you have dealt with this. You've had idiots, jerks, meanies, whatever. You've had them at work and they're constantly undermining you and they're fighting against you and there's always tension and they don't seem to support anything you say and do. They could be coworkers, they could be underlings, it could be your superiors, who even knows? Some of you have experienced this at home. Some of you experienced it on your sports teams. Like we know what it's like to have conflict with one another. 
And the Apostle Paul, from the surface view, is just in the middle of like not getting along with other people. Happens all the time, right? So what you might expect in this situation is for the Apostle Paul to go on the offensive against these false prophets. They're talking trash against him, so he's gonna start talking some trash against them. They've got all these reasons why he's not qualified to lead the church, and so you might think he starts developing all of these arguments about why, no, actually, they're not qualified to lead the church. You might expect him to uh, attack their credentials or to undermine their authority or leadership. But instead of doing any of that, Paul is gonna point out something in this passage that is so key and critical for us to remember if we ever hope to win in the battles in our life. Paul helps us to understand in these verses that spiritual warfare will often manifest itself through physical battles. Spiritual warfare will often bubble to the surface And from the surface, the worldly, the physical perspective, it will look like a physical battle. Put differently, your problems are more spiritual than you realize. Your problems, whatever they might be, in whatever arena or sphere of life they're in, they are more spiritual than you realize. So look at what Paul says here in context. So we read like the hype Pentecostal verses. We don't fight with the weapons of the world. We fight with, you know what I mean? So like we read those, that's cool. But like, let's check the context here and see what he actually says is going on in this passage. Verse number one, he starts out again, he's writing to the Corinthian church, these people who are starting to buy into these false apostles who are undermining his authority. And he says, now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ Though I realize that you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Then verses three and four, which we already read. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And then he says, and to destroy false arguments. Verse five, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from what? From knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. You see, in Paul's mind, when you read the whole context here, he was convinced that this was not a battle between him and the false apostles about who was going to be in charge. Paul knew that ultimately this was a spiritual battle between the enemy and the father. And the enemy was attacking the father's children. This was a battle between the devil and God over knowledge of Christ. This wasn't just people who were wanting to be in charge and they didn't like Paul, so they decided to undermine him so that they could take over. No, there was something much deeper that's going on here. In short, the physical attack that Paul was experiencing was just a manifestation of the spiritual battle that was going on behind the scenes wasn't these men attacking him. It was the enemy, the adversary, that other A word that we used a couple of weeks ago, that was attacking Christ through his children. This is why in Ephesians chapter number six, we don't have these verses on the screen for you, but in Ephesians chapter number six, Paul says, the enemies that we fight against are not flesh and blood. We don't wage war against people. Instead, our real enemies are spiritual beings who are waging war in heavenly realms. 
See, as Christians, we become aware of the fact that what's going on in the physical is actually dictated by what happens in the spiritual. So we don't fall for the confusion. We don't fight the surface things that are going on. And let's be real. It can be super easy. If you've got difficulty in your life, it can be so easy to focus on the visible manifestations of your problems. It can be really easy to address the obvious tension that's right in front of you and ignore the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. But let me tell you, if you have a conflict with someone at work, this is not just somebody being a jerk to you. That's not all there is. That's the surface. That's the symptom of what's happening. But underneath the surface, what's actually going on is the enemy is attacking us and trying to undermine unity in humanity. Why? Because if he can get you to hate your brother, then it will be impossible for you to believe that God loves your brother. You just think it's a jerk. He's an idiot. He's mean. Nobody wants it. Why did that lady marry him? How did he ever get promoted? I cannot make sense out of this. You think they're mean, but there's something else going on under the surface. They're just a part of a much larger battle. And the enemy's tactics and his goals are not them or you. It's God. You got to recognize that. Listen, if your boyfriend cheats on you, Yeah, he's a scumbag, no doubt about it. But guess what? Fundamentally, he's simply fallen into another trap of the devil. Because if the devil can get you betrayed by enough people in your life, you will eventually stop believing that your heavenly father is trustworthy. You see what I'm saying? So there is this deeper attack There is this more fundamental meaning that's going on in every single physical battle that we face in this world. If your kids are rebelling, sure, you can blame their friends and you can blame their video games. I mean, maybe that's part of it. But in the end, ultimately what's going on here is Satan is trying to communicate to every one of us basically from the time that we can walk that the best life is a free life. And a free life is when we cast off all authority and choose for ourselves what is right and wrong. So if he can teach a six-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old to throw off their parents' authority or throw off their teacher's authority, it'll be much easier in the future for them to throw off God's authority. You with me? There is physical problems, sure. But there is a spiritual reality going on behind all of it. The root problem in every single physical issue we face is the enemy's spiritual attack against God and his people. A mature Christian understands this. An immature Christian has trouble because they just wanna focus on the surface and they're like, why is God being so mean to me? Everything's going wrong. It ain't God. There's an enemy, an adversary, and he's on the offensive. And like I told you in week one, there is this epic battle going on in the unseen world. And like it or not, you're caught in the middle. See, a mature Christian doesn't ask, why the sin? A mature Christian doesn't say, why did my girlfriend dump me? 
A mature Christian doesn't say, why is my brother addicted to drugs? A mature Christian doesn't say, why is my church always letting me down? A mature Christian doesn't say, why the sin? A mature Christian says, why the pain? What is really going on under the surface that is motivating the external behaviors, the fruit that we can see? Spiritual warfare, my friends, it can only be won using spiritual tactics. See, the type of battle you're in determines the tactics that you use to win that battle. And in reality, the physical issues that you're, you're facing, the interpersonal issues, the health issues, financial, doesn't even matter, whatever it might be, those are merely the, the visible symptoms of a sickness and a war that's going on behind the scenes. So in the end, if you recognize that this is actually spiritual warfare that I'm up against, you stop fighting it with physical tactics. You start approaching it with spiritual tactics. Because if you focus only on the physical manifestations, like the visible stuff that you can see, you will address the symptoms, but you will ignore the spiritual cause. More importantly, you will start to fight like the world fights. If you fail to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle and every single physical worldly problem that we experience is at its root cause an attack from the adversary. If you fail to recognize that, you'll start trying to battle the physical issues in your life with physical tactics. So you'll address those things with anger. You'll get into a lot of arguments on Facebook. Too close to home, okay. You'll start playing the victim. You will develop and live every single day of your life with a victim mentality. Or you'll lash out. And you'll resort to violence to stop this problem. Or you'll kill with your words. You'll gossip about people. You'll get vengeance however you can. I'm just, this is the way it works. When we fail to realize the spiritual underpinnings of every physical battle we find ourselves in. So when it comes to relational hurts, like maybe somebody hurts you, maybe you're, you're like I said, your girlfriend dumps you or something like that. You'll go eye for an eye on her, you know? Like, oh, she wants to hurt you. I'll show her how bad I can hurt her. So you'll start sending around private photos of her. Hmm? Or you'll go key her car. Or you'll call her work and cause all sorts of disruption and harassment because, hey, that's what she did to me. So I'm just getting at her the way that she got at me. If you're attacked financially and you don't see the spiritual underpinnings of what's going on, you'll just look at the money in the bank account and nothing else. And you'll be like, oh man, it's gonna be tight this month and I won't be able to have all the things that I want. And so you know what you'll start doing? You'll do anything and everything you can to increase the amount of money that you can hold on to. And so you'll start working way more hours than is healthy for your family. Or you'll cheat on your taxes. Or you'll say, I just can't afford to give to the church or other ministry and mission causes. I just can't afford to do it. Because you're focusing on the physical and you're ignoring the spiritual that's underneath. If Connect Church lets you down, can I tell you guys, like, I'm not a prophet, but I can 100% guarantee you 
At some point, Connect Church is gonna let you down. I'm gonna let you down. I'm not gonna call you when you think I should call you. You're gonna feel alone when you should be surrounded by people because Connect is just a bunch of flawed people like you are. And sometimes we get it wrong. But if you're only focusing on the physical, the visible, then when Connect lets you down, you're gonna listen to the voice that says, they don't care about you. And if they don't care about you, why should you care about them? See, we focus on the physical, we ignore the spiritual, we start fighting spiritual battles with physical, worldly tactics. And in doing so, we fall further into the adversary's plan that we are confused and misdirected about why all of this stuff in our life is falling apart. Now, Paul refused to let this happen. 2 Corinthians 10, he knew all of that. I forget it. It's so easy for me to forget. Paul refused to forget. He refused to fight a spiritual battle with physical tactics. So I want you to look at how he answers these false apostles and what they're saying about him in verse number seven. This is his big defense for himself as Christ's apostle for the Corinthian church. He says, guys, I want you to look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize by the spirit that we belong to Christ as much as they do. That's it. That's all he says. Not super compelling, to be honest with you. I, like, Paul, you are one of the greatest intellects in the history of humanity. You could murder these dudes with your words if you wanted to. You could like just reduce them to nothing. You could force them out of the church. You could do it if you wanted to. But Paul will not use physical tactics to fight a spiritual battle. So in the end, he basically says, hey, you wanna figure out who you should believe in this interpersonal conflict? The Holy Spirit will tell you that we are sent by Christ. That's it, that's all you need to know. It's not a physical solution. It's not a physical tactic. He appeals to the spiritual. And when he appeals to the spiritual, you're kind of like, hmm? is that going to be good enough? Is that really going to accomplish anything, Paul? What if they don't hear the Holy Spirit correctly? Are you sure you want to hang your entire defense as an apostle on saying, yeah, Holy Spirit will tell you what's up here? Yes, he does. And the reason is because Paul engages in something we call asymmetric warfare. You know what that word means? Asymmetric warfare. It means that if we're wise, we do not match the enemy on his turf and using his tactics. I will not match the enemy on his turf using his tactics. Instead, we're gonna rely on the advantage that we have as God's children. We're not gonna fight the way the devil fights. Our weapons are not the weapons of this world. Rather, we use God's mighty weapons to tear down strongholds. So when you and I face economic uncertainty, we don't fight it by working more hours. We don't fight it by pulling back our giving. We don't fight it with fear. We fight it with faith that we have a God who is in control and he is gonna take care of us. He feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers of the field. And if he takes care of these little things, how much more will he care for you, his beloved children? When we're faced with a dying marriage, we engage it by serving and not running away. We're gonna fight using spiritual weapons, 
not physical weapons. When we have difficult people in our life, we're gonna kill them with kindness. We ain't gonna kill them with words. We're not gonna kill them with weapons. No, we are going to dump hot coals on their head until they realize, oh my gosh, I have been so terrible to her. She's been nothing but good to me. Why? We give irrationally. We decide we're gonna fight our worship or our worry with worship. We're gonna resist greed and envy by fasting. We don't simply punish our children for their disobedience. No, we are going to pray our children through their disobedience. We will not fight the enemy on his turf and we will not fight him using his tactics. We'll engage in asymmetric warfare. When it looks like the battle is physical, we're going to address it in the spiritual, knowing that if we can solve the underlying cause, the symptoms will take care of themselves. Now, I get it. Some of you guys are like, Dan, Dan, Dan. What you're saying right now sounds an awful like that old excuse. Well, your honor, I'm not guilty because the devil made me do it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we can excuse our bad behavior by saying, oh, I fell trapped to the devil. Sorry, Amber. No, we can't do that. We are still responsible for our actions, okay? And, and I'm also not saying that if there are physical issues in your life that you just choose not to address them. Homie, if you're sick, take some NyQuil. It's okay, address it. If your kids are rebelling, take their phones away. They probably deserve it. If you don't have enough money to pay rent, go pick up an extra shift. But don't believe for a moment that that's all you have to do. There's more to the battle than what you can see. Remember, the type of battle determines the tactics of the battle. And since, and since all battles are ultimately spiritual, this is how I fight my battles not with physical strength, but with spiritual authority. Zechariah chapter number four. A couple weeks ago, I preached for the very first time out of the book of Zechariah. Now, two weeks later, I'm back in Zechariah. I'm starting to love Zechariah. Look at Zechariah chapter number four, verse six. This is what the Lord says. Victory comes not by force or by strength, but by my spirit. You don't need to steal to get ahead. You don't need to undermine your boss to get promoted. You don't have to turn to porn to get intimacy. Oh, you don't have to write your kids off because they just won't listen to you. You don't have to disengage from church because they're imperfect. The battles that you are fighting are spiritual, not physical. And if you wanna win, you're gonna win by engaging through the spirit of Christ in the spiritual realm. This gives us one final piece of encouragement. I promise I'm done. This verse and others like it, they remind us that as Christians, we fight from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. Hey, you ready for 1 John? 1 John says, the son of God has already come to destroy the works of the devil. You got an enemy that's trying to attack. You've already got the victory. You already have it. When Jesus was here on earth, he engaged in the ultimate case of asymmetric warfare. He showed up. He didn't pull out some heavenly flaming sword and he's like, let's do this, Satan. Let's dance. He didn't do that. Instead, he said, the son of man is gonna be delivered into the hands of sinners and he's gonna be crucified for the sins of the world. And his closest friends and family said, no, that's not how you win battles, Jesus. You don't win by losing. Who told you that? I thought you were God. 
Listen, if you start addressing spiritual problems spiritually, the people in your life will say, that's not how you fix a jerk at work. That's not how you save a failing marriage. That's not how you deal with financial pressures. Don't you know what you're doing is wrong? No, they're wrong. Jesus proved it. He showed up. He fought an asymmetric spiritual war against the physical work of the devil. And on Good Friday, it looked like he lost. It looked like he screwed it up. He chose the wrong tactics in the wrong battle. But can I tell you on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead and he justified his approach. And he proved to me and to you that if you are caught in a physical battle, the way that you win is to fight using spiritual tactics. You've already got that victory. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Jesus has already conquered the works of the devil. Oh, death, where is your sting? You don't have the victory. The King of Kings has the keys to life and death. And he's given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to his people. We fight from victory, not for victory. So here we go. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. You only have to answer them in the confines of your own heart. You don't have to say these things out loud, but I want you to seriously answer them to yourself. First question, what, make sure I can see it. What physical battle am I currently facing? You've got one. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's bullies at school. Maybe it's getting passed over for promotions. Maybe it's the failing of a relationship. Maybe it's doubts in your relationship with God. I don't know what the physical battle you're facing is, but you do, and I want you to identify it. You say, I'm facing 11 spiritual battles. Choose one, okay? What's this battle that I'm facing? Second question, what worldly tactics have I been using to engage this battle? What worldly tactics have I been relying on? Have I been trying to address the problems in my marriage by screaming? Have I been trying to address my lack of finances by just spending more and saying, hey, spend it while you got it? Have I been dealing with my issues with a brother or sister by gossiping or ignoring them? Let's be real for a moment. What are the physical tactics we've been trying to use to solve a spiritual battle? Third question, second to the last one. What are the spiritual underpinnings of this battle? So what's really going on? Why are we fighting so much? Why do I not have the money that I need month to month? Why do I not enjoy sitting in church on Sunday? Why do I feel so inadequate? Why don't I love myself? Why is my brother acting the way he is? What's really going on here in the spiritual sense? And you say, Dan, I don't know the answer to that. This is why connect groups are so important. Because if you were in a group and you could start to be honest with one or two people within the group, you could say, hey, this is the spiritual or this is the physical battle that I'm facing and I can't identify what the spiritual problem underneath is. Can you help me? And they will. So if you don't know, we can help you. But we can't help you until you let us know. Last question. What are the spiritual tactics that I need to win this battle? What are the spiritual tactics? Because it's really, really clear that screaming at one another has not produced the results that we wanted. And racking up credit card debt has not filled the void in my soul. 
and I apparently have not gotten what I'm supposed to out of church by simply sitting in a seat. So what are the spiritual tactics that I need to address the physical battle that I find myself in? If you could honestly answer those four questions, you would see breakthrough. I know breakthrough is coming because I don't fight with the weapons of this world. I fight with God's mighty weapons. The ones who have authority to tear down the strongholds that I think cannot be overcome. Jesus, I pray that you would give us a word of boldness and faith this morning. I pray that this would find root in our heart and that whatever it is that we're facing on the surface, we would see the attack of the adversary underneath and we would stop addressing the symptoms. We would start allowing you to address the real source of our pain and our struggle and our heartache in this world. Help us to find our solutions in you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.